0: You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Have you ever considered how lucky you are to be able to put excess money into investments or savings? You really are considered one of the luckiest, most fortunate people on the planet today. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Well Show. Our guest today knows what it's like to not have that kind of opportunity. Juliana Uto defected from communist Romania when she was 10 years old with her parents who were seeking to create a better life for their family. They left everything behind to do that. Today, she's a multimillionaire by the age of 30 and now helps other women learn how she did it. Juliana says this is a time of unprecedented opportunity to generate a quantum leap in your finances. And she's here to talk about how she did that. So, Juliana, welcome
1: to The Real Well Show. Hi, I'm so happy to be here, Kathy. Thanks for inviting me. Well,
0: your story is so fascinating. You were a refugee when you were young. Uh, I think 10 years old, you yeah. came to Canada. Tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, my parents emigrated or defected, I guess, uh, when I was 10, my sister was 8, uh we were living at the time in Romania which is communist i was communist at the time um this is like back in the late 80s 89 i think it it was 88 89 seems to be the the date that comes to mind and yeah it was it was communist at the time we we left under the guise of um going on holiday in in eastern europe to places that we could get a visa to so that was all the communist countries like uh hungary was communist at the time east germany czechoslovakia like going way back um and yeah my parents just decided that they wanted a better future for us. And, and um, it was, it was all very traumatic.
0: (laughs) I can only imagine it was traumatic. So you had to pick up and leave your home, your country, your family, or your, your, uh, you know, your extended relatives, and go to another country where you didn't speak the language and you didn't have a job and your family didn't have, I mean, what was that like?
1: Yeah, it was, um, like I said, it was traumatic. And and mostly because we didn't know what was happening. So we we were young, my parents didn't tell anyone really you know what their plans were and so we my sister and I we, we thought we were going on holiday and so when we finally got into Austria at the time you know my dad turned around and this is like a very very uh vivid memory that's like seared in, into my mind forever <laughs> I just turned around and said you know take a good look back we're not we're not going back and I was just oh. like what and so I knew I mean leading up to that just being at the border and all the tension and like trying to get across and and I knew that something was up I just didn't know what it was and so then you know when he said I I knew, and so then we spent a year, we spent a couple of weeks. I think a week uh, in a refugee camp uh, in in Austria, where you basically it was like a it was like a converted prison. <laughs> um, we weren't locked up, but we were uh, we had to stay in this in this facility for a week until you know everything kind of got processed, and just like that was a new experience of like being in a in a big hall with a bunch of people from all around the world that I you know I didn't I didn't know. Um, that was traumatic. And then and then we got um we ended up living in a kind of like a pension in, in a really small town in Austria for a year until um our papers kind of got cleared or went through and we got accepted into into Canada. Um, and in Canada, yeah, you your family school. didn't speak English and we didn't speak English. Um we didn't speak German when we lived in Austria. And um we, we ended up learning. So I learned I learned a bit of German. We went to school there for you know for the better part of a year. Uh, or just over here actually, and and then when we came to Canada, we learned to speak English. Um, yeah, we all did. Um, you kind of, yeah.
0: Things must have been pretty bad uh, in your in your hometown for you to for your family to leave. What what was it like uh, living in a communist regime?
1: Yeah. Um, so my my memory of it is, uh, I mean, obviously, I knew some things. I there's a lot of things I didn't know because I was standing and my parents, you know, kept kept things from us as as they should. Uh, But the things I remember are, um, you know, comparing it to life in the Western world is when you went to a grocery store, there wasn't like an abundance of food, there wasn't like five different or 100 different kinds of cheeses, there was like maybe one or two, right? Yeah, Um, there was uh, everything was kind of rationed, So you had to uh, line up to buy bread. My mom was telling me the story of when like toilet paper was rationed. So she actually, when, when I was baby, she brought with me with her to line up so that she could get, you know, an extra roll of toilet paper for wow. the baby. <laughs> Cause it was just like, everything was rationed. Um, but then besides that, it was just more, I mean, the reason my parents left was we had, we had like a, a really an upper middle class life, I would say in, in Romania, Despite despite that um but the reason my parents left is for us to be able to have a better education and to you know to have access to opportunity and jobs and and which we didn't have uh being you know being a um hungarian ethnicity i guess
0: that that's a really interesting point it's like that's what we hear here in the Western world, right? That there's more opportunity. So because it was communist, does that just mean that like there isn't like there's not an entrepreneurial spirit? Are you just given a job? I mean, how does, how does that work?
1: Yeah. Well, it certainly wasn't entrepreneurial in the sense that we think of of entrepreneurialism here in the Western world. It was entrepreneurial in the sense that, you know, whatever you could negotiate with whoever had stuff. Right. So, um, you know, my, my parents were sharing that, because because like they worked kind of like for a tourism organization so they had access to like coffee for example right so someone knew someone that you know was expecting a, a shipment of coffee and so they were able to like get some coffee under the table right so you were entrepreneurial in terms of like getting things done unofficially under the table yeah. so to speak um you know i remember uh, we lived in a kind of like a, 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 a an apartment type like a condo type thing and my mom would send me upstairs to the neighbors because her husband happened to be the butcher to you know pick up the meat and i it was like done kind of on the qt and you know don't <laughs> tell anyone what you're doing <laughs> there's always this always this fear of um you know coming home or like walking around with something in your bag that you weren't supposed to have in your bag like meat would you, would they check or i'm sorry would yeah the police check like, like, what, yeah it's like like what's you know what's in your bag and like where would you get that from and so there's always this sense of um, not knowing who the, um, you know, informants were, so to speak, you know, who 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 kind of worked for the Communist Party, who didn't work for the Communist Party. Um, everyone kind of did officially in a way. Um, so that was, I mean. So you don't even that- know if
0: your own family or your neighbor's going to tell on you. Uh, yeah. What would happen if yeah. you
1: had an extra piece of cheese? Oh, I think. <laughs> i mean i don't think i don't think it was that then then whoever i think i I would imagine whoever you know uh stopped you would be like you know where's my piece (laughs) 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 i'm not sure what would happen um but Mm -hmm. certainly and the the bigger things were like you know being able to travel i mean we we did travel but it was because we had a very specific um specific visas to specific countries and so the concern that my parents had and this really kind of moment of tension when we did decide to like cross over into Austria which you know we were had no business in being there was that we had to stamp in our passport and so then like going back would have been like potentially you know going to jail I would imagine for oh my, my parents, it's like you're not you're doing something that you're not like supposed to be you're not supposed to be doing
0: I, I, um, I haven't told very many well I might have said it on the show before but when I was Uh, 16 years old and my best friend was 15 we went on a a european tour with our biology class and uh, my friend had friends in germany so we left the the group after we did a month tour and went to spend two weeks with her family in germany but then we we were bored so we ditched the family and this was before cell phones so our family had no idea we just decided to travel europe by ourselves at age 16 and 15 And again, before the internet, (laughs) so it would, if they wanted to get in touch with us, they, they couldn't. Uh, But we ended up thinking it was a really cool idea to go to East Berlin. And when we showed up at the train station, there were guards with guns just surrounding it. And we still went in. We were told we wouldn't be able to get back out if we didn't have a chaperone. So the guy next in line (laughs) let us through, we went in. But I remember sitting, it was crazy, but we sat at this cafe and this young girl came over and we had our U.S. passport sitting on the table. And this this young girl just comes up and she's like, "You can I touch your passport? And by the way, you shouldn't have it out. You have no idea how valuable that is. Yeah. And so we're like, oh, sure, yeah, take a look. And she looked through it, all the stamps and all the places we had gone on a year, a, a year rail all over Europe during those two weeks, we would be in a different city every day. And she just flipped through it and said, I'll never be able to travel. And it was such a shocking moment. We had to leave to go meet this chaperone who was going to get us back out. But that—that that was a, those were interesting times. That was 1980. Yeah. Uh, so I, I kind of have an idea what that world was like back then when when the wall was up. But somehow you got out. Your parents yeah. had the foresight. It was a huge risk. You grew up in poverty, I'm assuming.
1: Or well, I would say I wouldn't say that we were we were poor. Um, well we, we definitely were not poor um so i mean my parents had you know my parents had had good jobs and and great careers and and they they had um like upper upper middle management jobs i would say and and like where they worked my mom was an accountant and and my dad kind of was the gm for like a tourism type company um so they had good jobs and you know we were well off but you couldn't really be like well well off unless unless you were, I would say, like, probably closer to the um, politicians or cl- closer to the Communist Party, similar to, I mean, this is, you know, from the outside looking in, similar to the things, things that were happening and, and Russia with Putin and, like, the oligarchs and, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe different degrees, right? But um, when we certainly weren't poor, but even if you had money, you couldn't buy things, you know. So oh, okay. that was a thing. It's like, it just wasn't available to anyone. It was rationed to everyone. Um, but we had a nice home and we had, you know, we had nice, like we had nice clothes and we had we had a car, which like most people didn't have a car. Um interesting. Okay, know. so there's still yeah. levels. There's still levels. Yes, there's still levels. <laughs> okay, got it. There's still levels, uh, but it's a function of like how, you know, how entrepreneurial you are and in how you kind of set yourself up. And and I think it's like you, you needed to know someone that knew someone. Mm-hmm. And that's not, I mean, that's not. That's not a good life necessarily. Right? Isn't that I mean, fascinating? Ahead of your out of your own ambition, you have to have other people kind of open doors for you, and and then you have to be beholden to them. And then,
0: yeah, yeah. right, yeah. yeah the the underground, um, yeah. So I remember I, when I was in East Berlin, I could have sold my jeans for a hundred dollars, which was a lot of money back then, but <laughs> they couldn't, they didn't have jeans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah but so I had to wear them. You just didn't have access
0: yeah. uh, Okay. So you and your family ended up in Canada, didn't yeah. speak the language, totally different world. And yet here you are uh, a wealth advisor. I mean, you, you're, you're coaching people on how to create wealth. You have yeah. become a millionaire. Uh at by the age of 30, I think you said. Yeah. How? If you if you moved to Canada at age 10 in 20 years, you became a millionaire, maybe sooner. What how did you do that? Ah,
1: yes. Um, so I've I've always been um I mean when my parents came here, obviously like we didn't speak we didn't speak English. my sister and I spoke a little bit of English because we learned a little bit in, in Austria. So that was like a most Europeans speak a second, or if not third, fourth, fifth language, yes. and so that was, you know, a thing that we we learned. We picked up some of it, but we still went to um ESL, like there was an ESL
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: portion In of course. English is a second English, language. Yeah. English is English a second language, and so I mean, I just remember very vividly, like my my parents were just like super hustlers. um You know, they which they had to be because they had to support two little kids. You know, when we first came here, and so they took on jobs that were um, you know, I'll say beneath them. Uh, but they didn't look at that way. It was just like, well, we're gonna work to get paid. It's work. So, yeah. Yeah, it's work, right? It's work. Um and and so that's what they did. And so that I that was my, you know, my mom modeled that, my dad modeled that. And so my work ethic comes from comes from them. And I've always been very I was just super clear that the whole reason my parents came here is for us to be able to have um have access to education. And so obviously like not going to university was not going to be <laughs> like you had to to take advantage of of what they did for you yeah i mean like what they did for us right and so I've, i've always been like okay so i'm not gonna go to school for four years and not be able to get a job after so i've been like very strategic and very like optionality and leverage have been a huge theme in my life no matter what i've done i went into engineering mechanical engineering because i knew i would be able to you know get a job certainly as a woman coming out of mechanical engineering after four years and so that's that's what i did um I took all the courses like the math and the english and everything um the biology all of it physics in high school um uh, my sister has a masters degree in economics so we both just kind of like yes this is what we do um and then and then as soon as I started working I just like contributed to saving is a big was a big theme also in our lives early on and I would say even still today um because yeah like you make money and then you save money <laughs>
0: Question. Yeah, I was just got to put right? some aside. You can't spend yeah,
1: it all. Aside. I mean, that was just, that was just how we, we were raised is that you save and you're, you're, you're like having a health respect for money and, and, uh, comparison shopping, like all those things. Like my dad was like, you know, very, um, uh, militant, I'll say about like finding the deals. And so that, that's still, I still, I still look for deals today. Right. Um,
0: Can I ask so that, how much, how much were, would you put aside for savings? Like, would you have a very clear budget of what you could live on? And and then uh, and not you know, increase
1: yeah, that uh, Yeah, I've never had a budget. I actually have this like big resistance to having budgets because I, I don't like to be, I don't like to be like optionality, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, like to tied don't down. want to be tied down. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be tied down. But I, I've always just been like, you know, once it's working, there's I think uh, the equivalent in the US is um like 401ks and IRAs and so there's matching programs for when you're when you're working. And to me it's like free money. Like obviously you would if there's a matching program where your company contributes few percent and you contribute two percent you would do, do that. it. It's free money. <laughs> yeah, why would you not do that? Why would you not do that? And so I've always maxed those out. Um, and uh, yeah, I would always max those out. And then I mean, the power of compounding is like very real. I think most people don't really appreciate how powerful compounding is. And if you start at an early age, you can actually really amass significant wealth when by the time you're, you know, in your, your 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond. Um, so I just I started early. I would max out all those kind of employee matching programs. Um, I did have a goal of like saving for sure 10% of my salary, you know, every 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 pay period. I had a goal of paying off my house by the time I was 30. I did that when I was 31. Um I I abhor debt, like I don't I don't have debt. And I, I'm very conscious that there's good debt and bad debt. I just don't like to have it. <laughs> Like optionality, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, i've I've never done. I've never bought things that I couldn't afford. You know, mm-hmm. I I never did the layaway plan for a couch or like whatever. Like I just didn't do that. Um, save the money and buy it when yeah, you're ready. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even like my car, I you know I paid for my car. Like, here's here's the money, and I'll
0: take my car. I wonder <laughs> if that's a European thing because I and I'm sure Europeans use debt too. But I remember when I was an exchange student in Switzerland, my Swiss mother said. You know, you Americans, you buy the car and then you pay for it later and you pay for it. It's so much more expensive because you're paying all that interest. If you just flipped it and saved, made those payments before you bought it, basically saving, then you pay cash, you get a better deal
1: and you're not paying all the interest. So it's like, oh, I I mean, mean, it just makes sense, right? It's it's kind of like a no-brainer. Certainly. And I always on the math. like the the optionality, I would say, like that way of thinking of like, what's the optimal answer here has been even in, you know, I mean, if your mortgage rate is 2% and you can invest that money and, you know, earn uh, 7 or 8, 10, 15% return on your investment, no brainer to do that, right? So I would always do the math in my head of like, what may be the most money, Mm -hmm. um, you know? um,
0: Yeah, 2% interest rate. On a home makes sense. A twenty five percent interest rate on a credit card, so you can go have something you can afford. Yeah. No, yes,
1: yes. So I've always paid off. Like I, I paid off all my credit cards. I like I do all those things, right? Because it's just it, like, why would I? Why would I give my hard earned money to the credit card company? No. Yeah, I'll keep it myself. <laughs> no. So that that I would say that 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 came a large part from my parents as well just like having this healthy respect for uh for money I would say and and then I would play these games with myself of how soon can I pay off my house or how how soon can I have a million or how soon can I have like two million or three million or whatever the number is right um yeah so I needed a game to play a game okay
0: (laughs) I'm curious now that you have come to the well to Canada to to the west and you've Uh, figured out. It's always amazing to me when people come here and see the opportunity when people born either in the U.S. or, you know, in a a first world country, maybe don't see the opportunity because they're surrounded by it. How do you think your kids are going to do? Do you think they'll be as motivated as you've been? Are you going to be teaching the same things your parents taught you?
1: Yeah, a really good question. I mean, obviously, you know, we even though we're, we're well off, you know, comparatively speaking, I mean, there's always going to be people that are like way, way better off. And I, I know I don't compare myself to like the Bezos and the Elon Musk of the world, um, but they don't, I mean, we don't, I don't live a life of excess, which is why I have excess, if that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Say that again, you don't live a life of, I don't live of a life excess, of which excess, is why you have, have, have excess? excess? Yeah, yeah. Tell me more, what do you mean by that? Well what I mean by that is that I even though I could go and buy a Lamborghini as an example, right? Or whatever uh, you know, um fancy car, I don't. I drive a Q five, which is, you know, not a not a fancy car. <laughs> it's not a 300000 dollars car. It's it's um, fine. When, it gets you where yeah, you need to go. It gets me where I need to go. Um I think one of the one of the really big things um around m- money has so much energy attached to it. And I think where a lot of people kind of go off course is people tend to use money and buying things as a way to feel better about themselves as a way to, you know, feel like they belong or a way to express themselves or, and I've never really done that with money. Like it doesn't, um, I've never had this need to like keep up with the Joneses or to, to show off (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, what I have um and so i think when you when you have like a healthy sense of confidence and and sense of like who you are and and sense of worth as a person you don't need to spend a bunch of money to make yourself feel better about yourself which i think what a lot of people spend money on um i don't have a need to compete with my neighbor you know we live in a part of the city that's not like the high-end part of the city it's it's a beautiful home and it's comfortable and it works for us right and it's paid for it's paid for <laughs> So we don't, and it's it's great. And then, I mean, in terms of my kids, again, like I don't um I don't try and reinforce this consumer culture. I I rarely bring them. I mean, I don't go to the mall, you know, that that often anyway, because I have two two little kids and just a busy life. But I don't bring them with me to go shopping. I don't bring them with me to the mall every weekend. <laughs> you know, we mm-hmm. don't do those things. We we do experiences, and I, I try and have healthy conversations about money. And I and I certainly don't say, well, we can't afford that. Like those things never cross my mouth. I just,
0: you know. Yeah. What in our last uh discussion you had mentioned that in some ways your life in Romania, right? Romania. Yeah. 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 Some ways your life in Romania was healthier because the times that that you spent together as a family were really meaningful. Whereas in the West, yeah. you know, in the West everyone's so busy and uh have you been able to that well first of all tell me more about that and have you yeah. been able to preserve that. Yes.
1: Yeah. So what I meant when I said that is that we, even though we, we grew up in this kind of very limited environment, you know, from a, from an economic perspective and from a opportunities perspective, we had so many riches in terms of just being really close to family, right? Our our family was close. I, I remember very clearly, my parents always socialized with, you know, like my extended family, there was, there was always like good food, even though, I mean, people just managed to get by, right. You could, we didn't waste things. You, um, there was celebration that we celebrated um all the holidays we celebrated birthdays it was there's lots of community it was like very very rich community and then when we came here i think also partly because our family got back behind um i'm just super close with my parents and so we we maintain that to this day where you know i'm super close with them they come visit every second weekend we celebrate holidays together i think there's like one holiday where i was in patagonia that i missed Christmas with my parents right so we like we just make a point of like being together it's not the same still because we don't have that extended family right Mm -hmm. um I do feel like I mean we just live in such a busy world that it's so easy to get distracted by all the things when really it's it's being close to family and friends and spending time together like provides the biggest riches right like I don't think that you need to be a millionaire to um to have a rich life
0: Um, Oh, I love that. That's, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that that will give our audience great benefit that the things that bring you the greatest joy and and the real wealth are free. Yeah. That stuff's free. Yes. Uh, Um, but they are also going to want to know what you invested in that you could have so much (laughs) free
1: time. So what are the specific investments that you've made that have worked? Yeah, sure. So I I mean, I started off investing in the stock market. And that's, that's mostly where the bulk of my net worth is still to this day. And then as I started to build more and more wealth, I, I started to branch out into, I mean, obviously, diversification and portfolio construction are really important concepts in wealth building. And the more Money you have at risk, the more you want to be diversified in terms of where you're invested at. So for me, it's uh, it's investing in stocks, it's investing in real estate, which is you know primarily my primary home. Um, it's investing in startups. So I have a huge passion for supporting and investing in startups. Uh, I'm I'm a, a pre material angel investor um, in various startups. Investing private equity, um, pretty much everything crypto. I've I've invested in obviously because you know obviously. <laughs> You're you're uh, you're missing out if you're not if you're not investing in crypto um, today these days. But it's it's a smaller portion of my net worth, so it's not. Um, I know a lot of people that are kind of like, you know, betting the house on one thing, and um, I just think if you look at anyone who has like serious net worth, they're pretty diversified for the most part. I I think you it helps to be concentrated as you're building wealth, and then as you built it, you kind of want to have some protection strategies, which comes from diversification. Yeah.
0: Excellent. And I'm assuming that with, well, let's, let's take crypto for an example. Um, Boy, when it was, did you get in early? Uh, How did
1: you know? (laughs) I did not not get in early. No. Okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like our, literally our um, podcast uh, manager or producer told me about crypto when it was at 5,000, you know, and I thought, what? Anyone buy that and she yeah. she gave me all these reasons but we still didn't do it so yeah. how, how do you choose your investments
1: so i mean for me it's it's around um my my time horizon is something i consider right so like what's the time horizon i investing in startups obviously has a, a much longer time horizon than investing in the stock market i consider liquidity so part of my portfolio is highly liquid the bulk of my portfolio is highly liquid um, and then there's a smaller portion that's that's illiquid, which means i can't I can't cash it out, right? so it's that's in there for the long term. I do take a longer term investment time horizon, so you know that's like I measure it in the decades, not not in the quarters <laughs> or the months. Um, and then it's partly on you know where do I think the upside is for that particular opportunity. Um, and then partly as I'm starting to invest more and more in startups, it's also looking at, you know, who am I supporting? Do I believe in the thesis of like where this company is going? Um, do I believe in the the value it's adding to the world, you know? Um, so it's, it's a little bit more, um, with a little bit more kind of consciousness around like, what is, what am I investing my money in and what's the, what kind of world is that, is that building? Um. Yeah, those are and and most of my stuff really is is actually in the U.S. So I find that I find that the U.S. is just like way more entrepreneurial. There's like a lot more deal flow, and um, my networks and and most of my deal flow comes from comes from the U.S. So, yeah.
0: Fascinating. Well, Juliana, it is always so so much fun to talk to you. You're fascinating, yeah. such an inspiration, and I know you're inspiring other women to um, to really ha- create that healthy relationship with money
1: as well. Yeah. So, I think it's really important. Um yeah. just before we close I mean I think it's super important for for women especially to have a strong handle on their finances and to to really own their power with money and investing and to just be really conscious of um the time value of money and getting started early is super important and then just this idea that you can you can actually build like significant generational legacy wealth right without and you can still have your latte and you can still have your fancy car and you can still do all those things and have your fancy trips but um I feel like you can have it all, maybe not at the same time, (laughs) but um, yeah, yeah. I think it's really important. Yeah, I mean,
0: certainly in my generation, or at least in the way I, when I grew up, uh, there women weren't that involved with the finances, and yet they, you know, they they understood, they just weren't really involved in it. I think you weren't even allowed to be on the on the checkbook back, you know, my mom's age. So, um, what do you think it does for women specifically once they? are financially set and they do have a healthy relationship with money. What does that do for them? Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, for if I just look at my example, you know, as an example, um, I had my, I just had my daughter, she's, she's just, she's turning two in May, and I'm essentially retired. And so what that means for me is I can I can focus on kind of my my passion projects. I can be way more present with my family and I can really compare, you know, life before kind of on the corporate track versus life, you know. In this space where like the question of money is for the most part taken off the table right and so now it just gets to be about who are you being like truly being i think it gives women the permission to be self-actualized right i think when you take that, that conversation on like survival and you know um getting your financial needs met off the table you get to really be who you truly are and i'm sure there are examples where women are like well you don't need money to do that it definitely helps when you don't have to think about <laughs> when you don't have to think about it right mm-hmm. um and so i think for women especially it just it allows them to be you know closer to with their kids it allows them to be a lot more present it allows them to to be i think just much more self-actualized and and to live a life that they're really truly passionate about um when you don't have to think about mine i think it's
0: yeah Love that. Yeah. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't have to worry about yes, money. For
1: anyone, for anyone, absolutely. hundred percent for anyone. It's uh, the top of
0: the pyramid. <laughs> it, yeah,
1: in, a way, in a way, I mean, when you think about like the, you know, the, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right. You kind of, you've, you've taken care of the basic things and and now you get to be really, what is the world that I'm building, right. How, how can I be a bigger contribution to the world? How can I be a bigger contribution to my community or to my family? I don't, I also don't prescribe this idea that we, you know, we we all need to see the world. I think if we all just kind of focus on on our immediate family and our community and kind of like build out from there. Um, that's it's hugely powerful and has a huge ripple effect. Right?
0: Beautiful. Ah, we will end on that. I love it. Um, and we will make sure that in the show notes, people know how to get a hold of you who want to be a part of your programs and your your influence, uh, your your support of women creating becoming (laughs) self-actualized becoming job optional all right juliana thank you so much for being here on the real wealth show thank you and thank you for joining me here on the real wealth show if you'd like to get access to more information that will increase your financial intelligence just go to realwealthshow.com where you'll get access to hundreds of free webinars and it's free to join again that's realwealthshow.com